Hey guys, as I speak to you right now, there is a helicopter flying by my house. Lots of sirens, lots of police cars and helicopters, as I'm sure a lot of you are also hearing around your neighborhoods. I live in Los Angeles, so it's been quite an eventful past few days here. Um, and I think I really just want to take this opportunity on the podcast to talk about what's been going on. And first off, you know, welcome to Just Flow With It. This is going to be quite different than what I'm used to doing. Um, as you know, Just Flow With It is really all about helping us to inspire each other to live in flow with who we are, um, with our true selves, with our authentic selves. And right now my, my true self is telling me that I need to talk about what's been going on inside me these past few days. It's been so hard to sleep. I don't know about you, but it's, it's so hard to disconnect from what's been going on lately with, with the murders of our black brothers and sisters, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and countless others in the past few years, and also countless others that we don't even know about. None of this is new. I know it's a surprise to many of us out there, but none of this is new. The police has been killing black people for a very long time. And the only difference now is that we have something called a smartphone that is able to record footage. And now we also have the internet that allows the everyday citizen to upload footage so that other people can see it. And I'm really thankful for that. I'm thankful for these inventions that are shedding light to what's been going on, to the horrific actions that our leaders have just been dismissing. And it's time that Americans, more Americans see this, and it's time that the whole world really sees just how fucked up it is over here. We talk a lot of game about being the land of the free, home of the brave, justice and liberty for all, but that's not really the case. And it feels really shitty. It feels really shitty. And I can only imagine how the black community feels. And I'm saying black community. I'm not saying, I'm saying black people. I'm not saying people of color because the black community has been targeted by the police, specifically the black community. And me to say and call this, you know, to use the term people of color is just really minimizing what's going on here. This is not me saying that there are no injustices that happen to people of color, meaning brown people, yellow people, you know, whatever. 
It's just that right now, the issue at hand is about black people being hunted and being killed by the police. And it's, it's just so ignorant to think that violence wouldn't come out of that. You know, a lot of narrative, there's a lot of narrative going around in the news, on Twitter, about people being outraged, about how this isn't the right way to protest. Well, what the fuck is the right way to protest? You tell me. Because Martin Luther King was protesting nonviolently, doing sit-ins, and that wasn't good enough to the point where he was assassinated. So if that wasn't good enough, what is good enough? There is no right way to do this. And it's so important not to get hung up on the looting or the rioting that we lose sight of what's really needing everybody's attention right now, which is that black people are being killed by the hands of the police. There's, there's so many like conversations that I can't even, it, they're in my head, right? But it's now that I'm talking about it, it's like, which one do I choose first? I think, I think that Trevor Noah did such a great job capturing and explaining why why there is violence, why there is so much anger, why there has been looting and rioting. And if you haven't seen that, visit The Daily Show's Instagram and you'll see the video there. But he basically goes on to explain that we as a society signed a contract, right? We collectively as the people of the United States signed a contract to live in a certain way. And with signing that contract, there are benefits, right? There's agreements and there's benefits. And I'm probably not doing justice to what he said, but this is what I understood. If certain people who feel like their contract is being violated, then there's no incentive for them to uphold that specific contract, right? If you're not, if there's no incentive for you to keep that contract going because you are seeing how you're not benefiting from that specific contract like other people are, then there's no incentive to uphold that. There's no incentive to uphold that society that's keeping you down, that's killing your people. So that's why there's violence, there's riots, there's looting. Because why uphold something that's not serving you? And also, I, 
it's just common sense. It's, it's, you're bound to get the energy that you've been putting out there in the universe. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the police force was created to capture runaway slaves. So, of course, racism is going to be deeply ingrained in the police force because of that. And thus, violent acts have been placed on black people. And that energy doesn't go away. If you keep beating on someone and beating on someone and beating on someone, can you really expect them just to be peaceful toward you? then why do so many Americans expect that from the black community? I don't get it. I really don't get it. So no, I'm not saying rioting is the best thing to do. Looting is the best thing to do. That setting buildings on fire is the best thing to do. But right now, nothing has been working. And also, it's important to know that that looting, a lot of that isn't part of the protest. Those are people taking advantage of the opportunity. Those are people knowing that the police are busy trying to contain the protests, that there's not enough resources to make sure that looting doesn't take place. So those are opportunists. It's important to distinguish that and to make sure that is separate from the protests. But this is all just karmic energy in play. And I think it's also important to note that when people say rioting is not right, this is not what our country is built on, that's a bunch of bullshit. I really advise people to study their history and remember that the Boston Tea Party was exactly just that. It was a fucking riot. It was property destruction. It was theft. Let's, let's make that clear. But that is looked at as a heroically American and patriotic thing. But this is looked at as something that we should be ashamed of. And this is not how, this is not how civilized people function. What makes it any different? So I can only imagine how black men and women feel right now. Imagine having to experience this as them and still have to be responsible for your day-to-day responsibilities. Anyway, I think that I think that it's important to talk about these things. It's important to not be concerned about whether you're going to say the right thing or the wrong thing or you're going to say or you're going to come up with solutions. It's not about that. It's just about having a healthy conversation about what's going on. And that's what I did with this specific episode. I just wanted to sit down with 
Enrico, my partner, and you guys have probably heard um, our, my talk with him that I shared a few months ago. But I wanted to just sit down with him and just talk about, you know, what's been going on and really listen to his perspective on things. He's a very thought, insightful, brave, and very compassionate and kind black man and multicultural man. He is my partner. And every time I talk to him about not just these murders and, you know, these uprisings, but every time that we talk about issues that, you know, are a part of our society, I always learn something new. And so I wanted to just share the conversation that I had with him on this podcast. So listen, and maybe you'll learn something, right? I mean, we can all learn more about ourselves, more about how we ourselves perpetuate white supremacy um, and really learn how to be an ally that supports our black brothers and sisters. So yeah, here you go. Hey everyone. Gosh, it's such a very, I don't know, interesting, incredible, overwhelming time right now. Um, I wanted to just take a moment and actually talk about what's happening and kind of provide some thoughts, some discourse with someone that has a lot of helpful interpretations, helpful insights, and really just fascinating perspectives on everything that's going on with the uprising and and the quest for justice. Um, So I have my partner and I like to call him a thought leader, too, in our community here in Venice, California, amongst our friends and our families. He is the co-founder of Zen House. I've had him on my podcast before where he shared his journey as an entrepreneur, as a leader, and as a creative. And what we really didn't go into is his life as an outspoken you know, fighter for justice, for equality, for equity, for people to just live their damn life like they want. So I, I wanted to just talk to you and, and bring you to the podcast because you have a lot of good insights on what's going on right now, not just as a person, but also as a black man. Um, you can speak to some of these matters that I'm not able to because I just don't have that perspective that you do. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I don't know if they're good insights, but they're definitely, they're my insights. They're, you're, they're interesting insights. I think that it's worth conversation about. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just making jokes. I, you know, I think that um, there's so much going on, and a mentor of mine once told me that 
he was like, you know, you have a very unique perspective. And before that, I felt like I knew that to some degree, but him reflecting that to me really helped me to see that having such a multicultural background, also growing up in the Midwest, traveling out here to LA, living in LA for for 10 years, <clears throat> traveling a lot to the East Coast, making my way around this country. I feel like I do have a perspective of understanding what's happening with race relations, what's happening with the feelings of people across the country because of social economic standings. So I think that because of those things, I do have uh, I do have a perspective that might be unique and yeah. possibly helpful for people. What can you describe why you have a multicultural background? Maybe people are not familiar with that about you. Uh, yeah, so I grew up in Minneapolis in the suburbs, right outside of Minneapolis, and my mother is the daughter of a Holocaust survivor. Um, my father is mixed with Native American and Black ancestry. So that's my upbringing is, uh, is Native American, Black, and Jewish. And so I have those different perspectives. My mother is still heavily involved in the Jewish community. I grew up going to the synagogue, uh, going to Hebrew school until I was age 11 and decided that that wasn't for me. <clears throat> and, um, you know, so I, I definitely, I grew up in, I went to high school at Osseo, which is a very diverse school, still predominantly white, but also very diverse uh, African kids, East African, West African, um, Asian, Laos, Cambodian, Hmong. So there's, there's just definitely a, a large mix. And there's also a lot of uh, mixed people in Minnesota, home of Prince. And so... Yeah, I think that uh, all those different things add up to to my unique perspective. So, what's your perspective? Your perspective on what's going on right now? My perspective is that people are very angry, and people are angry for a multitude of reasons that are all stacked up on top of each other. And watching another video of another black man being murdered by police, mm -hmm. <clears throat> George Floyd, it's, it's just another reminder for all of my black brothers and sisters and allies that there's so much deep racism still inside of this country. And so people are angry, people are fed up, people are, are enraged, people are sad, people are ashamed. Um, I think that the, this is striking at most of the emotions. People are afraid. Um, and so, especially in Minneapolis, I don't, I'm not sure if people know, <clears throat> but um, Minnesota is a very racist place the way it's done is very subtle and it, that's that minnesota nice you were talking about before. yeah it's very passive aggressive 
people smile in your face and will call you a nigger behind your back and all sorts of, of, of very um, nuanced ways of discriminating against people of color. Um, before I moved out to L.A., I think I moved out here when I was 23, 24. So it means I was driving in Minnesota for about nine years. I was pulled over 15 times to get two tickets um, during those times of being pulled over. The cops would ask me things like, how did you get this car? Because I happen to be driving a nice car. Um, why are you wearing so much red? And my mo- my mother's white. My mother's a Jewish woman. And so I, I know how the police interact with white people. You know, I, I know when they get pulled over, these aren't the questions that they have to answer. And I know these aren't the questions that I should be answering. That That's not what their job is. And their job isn't to pull me over for no reason and try to ask me a bunch of questions, smell if I have weed in the car. To me, that's a very close similarity to a, a, a Nazi state, a, a, a police state. And so I can't speak to living on other places. I've lived in L.A. now for 10 years, and my experience with the police has been way different. I've been put over one time. That was my fault. The police was more than respectful, and it was a pleasant experience, to be honest. And it made me wear my seatbelt because I wasn't wearing my seatbelt, and it was just like, it just was a reminder, like, I should wear my seatbelt. And he was doing his job, and I respect that. And I've had a couple interactions with the police out here, and personally, I have been respected by them. So and I, and I can only speak for myself about the LAPD, and I always, when I can, I speak up for that, because I think that there was a lot of action on the part of the community and on the part of the police to make these types of changes here in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know in Minneapolis... Um, it's terrible, terrible. I've been pulled over at gunpoint while walking in Minneapolis by the police. And so, you know, what were you doing walking? Yeah, exactly. What was I doing walking instead of driving? Um, and so I'm in, I'm a black man, but I'm also a light skinned black man. And I know that I don't get persecuted as much as darker-skinned black men. So I'm saying that to say that I didn't even live in Minneapolis for that long. I lived there for two years. And if I had such negative experiences as a light-skinned black man, I can only imagine Hmm. um, the treatment of people who live there all the time. I do know the, the treatment because I know the people in Minneapolis. I know the community. I had a store, um, basically in Minneapolis, in Brooklyn Center, and everybody in Minneapolis shopped within the, the, the mall in my store. And it's like, so I know the community, and it's a beautiful community of people um, and ha- have constantly been harassed, have constantly been terrorized, have constantly been victimized by the police. And so... We're seeing a reaction to years and years and years of oppression and um, and abuse. Abuse, total abuse. And so that spread Minneapolis. I think that the anger that was felt in Minneapolis has not 
it has not been that loud, maybe ever. I think this is the loudest it's ever been. And so now the the loud anger and the video that's spread across the internet has now spread to the, the rest of the country. And I think that we're in this new place of how do we get out of this this predicament that feels like we're in a loop, right? It's like for people of color, it's like someone gets killed mm-hmm. on film, protest, march, okay, like it kind of dies down, okay. Now another person killed, film, march, protest, and it, it feels like this is enough. We have had enough. I know mm-hmm. I have had enough. And I'm reaching out to people. I'm doing the best I can to show compassion because I feel like this country has to heal the wounds that are so deep, the racism that's so deep, the history of this country. I really want people who are listening study your history, learn about the Jim Crow laws, learn about how black people were zoned out of getting loans and being a part of the American dream and really understand what Michelle Alexander was talking about so eloquently in her book, The New Jim Crow. Read, reads some of the work of Ta-Nehisi Coates and stop pretending like there's not a problem because it does not affect you. That is what has been happening for hundreds of years. And in order for us to have peace, then we have to work together because right now, Black people do not have peace. We don't feel peaceful and we don't feel safe in this country. I've been studying nonviolent communication and nonviolence. And one of the things that we learn in nonviolence is that the core part of ourselves that creates all the emotions that we feel is the needs, our needs getting met or our needs not getting met. And human beings have a core set of needs that we all need to be met. One of those needs is safety. Mm -hmm. Now, if anybody listening, if you just thought to yourself, close your eyes and said, in this moment, a man with a gun has a badge can kill me and that badge gives him the license to kill me and because of the color of my skin nothing's going to happen to that person that's the country we live in right now we live in a country where the citizens have given the license to kill to the police and that there's blood on the citizens' hands. George Floyd was killed by the citizens of Minneapolis, the citizens of Minnesota, for allowing the police department to have that type of behavior 
and to not fire those officers and charge them immediately, besides just firing them, to charge them and let due process happen. But we all know if anybody listening to this, if you and four, three of your friends took somebody and held them down and kneeled on their neck for nine minutes, you would be in jail right now, Mm -hmm. period. That's just the facts. So until we can create some type of environment where the police do not have a license to kill, I feel that we're not going to have peace. And I personally feel that there should not be peace. Because if we don't all have peace then why should anybody have peace? And that is something that a lot of people are throwing around right now is that, you know, the violence isn't helping anything. Why can't we have peaceful protests? But knowing all of the shootings, all of the police officers that have gotten away with murder, can we really expect anything less from people around the country? It feels like this is the desperate cry for for help. And I, I would say to anybody who is tweeting or commenting on Facebook and they're saying this violence does not help and the, the looting does not help, I would just tell them, then you tell us what will help. Instead of telling us that violence won't help and looting won't help, it's time for you to come with a solution. Right. It's time for you to demand because we're not going to ask anymore. We've been asking and we've tried every solution. Right. And so there have been nonviolent protests. There have been peaceful protests. And that nonstop. wasn't good enough either. Nonstop we saw how what happened to Kaepernick for kneeling. And so nothing that we do is good enough. Is is good enough. Um, you know, they get mad if LeBron wears a t-shirt. So I think that we're entering into this space where racism has been accepted for a long time, just like sexism has been accepted for a long time. And we're in this new place of, okay, now what am I supposed to do with that? Like, this is America. Like, I should be able to have free speech, right? And so we're we're kind of entering in this into this place of what do we do with racist people in a country that has been terrorized by racism, mm-hmm. right? It's like, and now Trump is is claiming that you know these anti left people are terrorists. Well, it's like, okay, what about racist? people because i feel like racism is a form of terrorism Mm -hmm. and the kkk being a a huge organization within this country what are we doing about that what are we doing about the racist police officers i could tell everybody right now there is 100 racist police on the minneapolis police force and we know that for facts and they're still there and how is that possible, right? How can we know these things as facts, but these are these officers are able to have a gun, they're able to have a badge? I mean, definitely. And also, it's really important to know your history because the very um, purpose 
of why a lot of police force in this country were even created was for racist purposes. Exactly, to, to try to catch exactly. runaway slaves. to catch runaway slaves. So, of course, there's going to be racism woven into that fabric yeah. of the police department. Yeah, and I think that it, it, it's, it's about the beginning of this country. You have slavery, and then once slavery is abolished, you have all these freed black people. Right. And you have a lot of people who are afraid. They're afraid of job security. They're afraid of revenge. Right. So you Mm -hmm. have this whole country that's afraid of what's going to happen now. Afraid to look at what they've done. Afraid to look at what they've done. Afraid to really accept this this um, horrific time that just happened. And so now you create this new system. That's the new caste system. It's like slavery is over. But now, if you are a criminal, this is kind of how they put it into the 13th mm-hmm. Amendment. If you're a criminal, now you can be locked up and you can you can serve time again, right? So they start criminalizing, even just the, the concept of criminalizing people, right? And so once you're a criminal, so like listen to how people talk about criminals in this country. Throw them away, throw them away, like fuck them, they're just a criminal. And that's the mentality that has been painted in the minds of Americans because that's a direct lineage from slavery. So you go from the slave to the criminal, and once you're a criminal, then you can be imprisoned. And that's why when you look at the laws that are in this country, they disappropriately affect people of color. Exactly. And, and it's all it's also interconnected, um, you know, based on history, like you said. So you have the police, you have the, the people who are trying to capture runaway slaves. And then you have the slavery free. Now you have people who are trying to criminalize black people and have the right to shoot a criminal in their back. So the law in many states if you're supposed even a supposed criminal and you're running, you can you can be shot in the back. So many people were just shot and oh, they were a criminal, they were running away. So just another dead black person. Right. So when you think about it, really nothing has changed. Exactly. It's just that now we have cameras on our phones and we can upload it on social media. George Floyd might we don't know how many thousands or millions of people have been murdered at the hands of the police in this country. We just don't even know because no. until recently we did not have the cameras to prove it and white people have not been believing or caring about this problem. And you can still see that now with all the tweets that are going on. You can see people sort of belittling what's actually happening right now about focusing on the word riots or focusing on the looting and and not really looking at what's the cause of all of the uprising that's going on. That's the more important conversation. Yeah, and I think that it's all because there's a lot of racism inside of the hearts and minds and maybe souls of Americans, and I don't blame Americans for that. That's a part of the American narrative. And so if we're going to get out of that, we have to understand the narrative and understand it's like what makes that cop kneel 
on a black man's neck for nine minutes? What is going on in his head? Because if we cannot address what's going on inside of people's heads, this is just going to keep happening Mm -hmm. because this is all about a narrative that's running inside of people's heads. This person is beneath me because I don't think I've never seen a white person treat a dog that way. So there's, there's this perception about black people and going back to history, the, the constitution has black people written, not even as a full man, three fifths of a man was the, the written constitution by the shitty forefathers that this country had that was what they believed to be right and that's why i call them pieces of shit because men like them should not be honored and i choose to speak the truth of those men are not honorable men they're not somebody that i think my children should look up to i don't think there's somebody that this country should put on a pedestal and that's the problem with racism in this country. When you put men who own slaves, who created the container for slavery to happen, for rapes and tortures in this country to happen, they should not be put on a pedestal. They created a, a country of torture. And so in order for us to reclaim this country, we have to think about how is it founded because the roots are poisoned and they're not only poisoned with racism they're poisoned with sexism Mm -hmm. we have to ask yourself who was the last woman president exactly and so it's not only just racism we're dealing with but the racism is so deep and it's so problematic that if we can't address that sexism we will never be able to address that in fair treatment for women because black there's black women also you know see what I'm saying it goes into the depths of who we all are there's Mm -hmm. black gay men and so no matter what part of us is being oppressed black people are going through that journey and so it's it's very it's very deeply entrenched in our DNA and the structure of how this country thinks how this country learns we, we grew up in this country, everybody saying the Pledge of Allegiance uh, to the flag and talking about justice, you know, and um, what was it? We all should have, uh, do you remember it? No. Uh, it was. I like, would have to recite it all in order to remember the part you're asking. Yeah, it's um, liberty and justice, justice for all. all, you know, and so if you think about it, if you said that, If you remember saying that, you were lying and you were repeating a lie and you were repeating it and repeating it and repeating it because the truth is there has never been liberty and justice for all in this country. There has only been liberty and justice for some. The American dream does not exist for everybody. If you're black and you have all the money in the world, and you're still afraid to get pulled over, how is that the dream? Yeah, how is that really liberty? And so I think during these times, it's time for non-black people, and this goes for allies, people of all colors, to educate yourself, whether you're Mexican, Asian, white, 
whatever your background is, educate yourself about what has happened to the black man, to the black woman in this country. Learn about the slave trade and how horrific it is. You know, we learn about the Holocaust. Put yourself in the position of black people in this country where you were not able to get access to the, a good school. The reason why segregation was important in this country, it wasn't because black people were so excited to segregate, to integrate with with what with white people it's not that everybody you mean why really, was integration yeah why was integration for okay. not segregation why was it important is because people wanted access and black people weren't getting access to good schools yeah it wasn't separate but equal to to good hospitals to proper food so it wasn't about the fact that black people were oh, so excited to integrate with white America. It was more, how are we ever going to get ahead when we know that we don't have the access? And so that was the demand of integration. And I feel like since that time, it's it's been really hard on the black community. Integration has been really hard on the black community because black people stop supporting black businesses as much because now you have all the options and now maybe the white man has more capital maybe the white man can build your house for cheaper because he has access to more capital and and certain things started making it more appealing for black people to do business with white people and so the the money left our community and it went into other communities and their money didn't flow into our community the white man didn't do business with the black man and so it, it wasn't mutual mm-hmm. and so that became uh and when the black community did create a you know thriving community that was taken away 90, that was taken away years ago today yep, exactly in black wall in, street yep in tulsa so, so yeah, learn the history. And this isn't like learning. It's just like I invite you to learn the history because, A, this is American history. And, B, it'll help you understand what is going on. And hopefully you and more people understanding what's happening will really make real change because we have racist people in the White House right now. Whether or not people want to admit that, Go do your research. You know, look up what Trump said about the Central Park Five and the fact that he wanted those black boys killed and that he never apologized for that. There's things that, you know, it's like as the leader, you have to take accountability for. And this man does not take accountability. He's constantly showed his hand and disrespected people of color, black and brown people. So this is, it's a clear sign. It's like, If we want peace in America, we have to start making the decisions. We have to start showing each other respect. And, you know, I don't I don't know what it what it looks like, but that's the the steps have to be about being compassionate to each other and not lying. You know, this liberty and justice for all. Let's look in the mirror and realize, like, wow, we have not been living up to this concept that we've been saying it all the white people that i'm so proud to be american all that bullshit it has to it has to be reevaluated and understand that 
if you're saying that we are citizens, if you're saying that me and you are, we're together and we're all Americans, then why don't you care? Why don't you care about us? That's why I think it's bullshit when people are saying, oh, I'm so proud to be American. It's like, what does that mean to Mm -hmm. you? Does it mean you're proud to be a white White American? American? And if that's what it means, then let's have that conversation that that white America doesn't really want to include black America because then we'll, like, we can move from that place. Um, but right now, I think we're living in, the, in a very awkward time where the, the Jews are still living in, in Nazi Germany and we're expected to be okay with that. And, and when you do speak up, then it's awkward and you don't get the proper attention and compassion and kindness. Yeah, you speak up and you get you get blackballed, you get yep. fired. Look at what happened to Kaepernick. To, to Kaepernick. So I think that it's you know, and it, it has to stop. It has to stop the subtle racism, the the controlling people's money because they don't they're not saying what you want them to say and they're not subservient to you. And there's, there's so much of that still happening in this culture. It's deeper than just the cops. You know, look at the fortune 500s, how many black CEOs are running the fortune 500s? How many of the fortune 500s are owned by black families? You know, you have all these white families that own all these companies. It's like, there's a reason why black people have been shut out of the capitalistic system. And it's not because black people are not intelligent. It's because of racism and discrimination. If you look at what black people have added to the culture of America, it is obvious that we have added so much value to what America is. And for us to not be able to be compensated fairly for that for the jazz that we've created, for the rock and roll that we've created, for all of the hip hop that we've created and still really don't mm-hmm. own a majority of, there's there's an obvious manipulation that's happening through the ownership of capital, um, through the use of contracts and all these, these slick manipulations that keep black people subservient, that keep us out of the economic uh, equality, the the possibility to really create wealth in this country. Yeah, a huge industry that's doing that right now is cannabis. I mean, exactly. cannabis has destroyed so many black people's lives. So mm-hmm. many black men are in prison right now because of cannabis. And when you look at the industry booming right now, who is really making money off of that? Yeah, and that's done strategically through capital. It's done through laws, strategic laws that make it very hard, very hard. to start a business if you don't have millions of it, dollars, millions of dollars in capital. And I don't know a lot of black people who have millions of dollars in capital to possibly blow and waste. I don't either. Because there's a lot of people in the cannabis industry who are not making money, and they're not. You know, it's not like you you just go into the business and all of a sudden you're printing money. It, it doesn't work like that because so much competition. So, yeah, I, I think that economic equality is what we have to fight for. I think that black culture, it is 
one of the biggest currencies that America has. And so from we've already been learning how to do it. You look at what Jay-Z has been doing with owning his masters and being very vocal about the importance of that. Um, everybody, you know, for years saw Prince mm-hmm. being on that wave and, and telling people how, you know, the industry is manipulative and he felt like a slave and he had to change his name. So this this fight, this war has been going on for black people just to be a part of, um, you know, just at the table with white people. And so there's a lot of major strides that are happening. You look at Oprah. Um, you look at what's happening in Atlanta with, um, what's his name, studio? Tyler um, Perry. Tyler Perry studio. And so there's strides being made. But when you look at the Fortune 500, they're a drop mm-hmm. in the bucket. And again, these things, they're not by accident. Um, it wasn't like we were allowed on Wall Street, you know, for years. There, there, there was laws against black people um, owning property all over this country. You right. could not own property all over this country. I was just reading an article today about Culver City, how it was strictly property for Caucasians. And so it's just, it's so sick when you really think about it. And if you sat and you divided, how much is this country worth? How much, if you, you you know, you live in LA, wherever you live, you know, look at your next door neighbor, look at your department you live in, the house you live in, and ask yourself, how much is this worth? How much is that lot next to me worth? Now multiply that times the whole country. And you have to ask yourself, how much is this country's land worth? And how much of this country is owned by white people? And how many black people got real access to the land of this country? Black people were promised 40 acres and a mule. That never happened. And so I think that we have we have to put reparations on the table as far as it's not even a conversation anymore. It, sh- it should be a mm-hmm. demand. Like Reparations should be a demand. And white people should actually give us reparations. It, it should be like, oh, you know what? We have fucked up. And this is a part of the solution. I don't know what that looks like. But it should be worked out and there should be forward progress so that more black people can get access to capital, more black people can get access to quality education and have quality shelter and housing and have proper health care. There's so many things that we don't have access to because we don't have access to wealth. Uh, What a lot of white people that I've heard say to that is that this isn't something that I did. Why should I have to pay for something that I was not responsible for? Because that was something, something that my ancestors did. So why should I have to pay for it? Because you benefit off of your ancestors' uh, exactly. manipulation, and you benefit off of the slaves' backs. Your ancestors benefited off of the slaves' back. If you are white and you are in this country, you have benefited from the slavery of this country that built America into what you are now proud of. Very true. And that's something that I think a lot of white people don't really understand. Again, it's because it's not really talked about. It's, it's generations of unhealed trauma that hasn't been addressed. It, yeah, it's... it's it's ignorance and, um, you know, and it's very shameful. Like, 
if I think about things in my past that I'm ashamed of, like, I yeah, don't, don't want to look think at about it. it. I'm not sitting here trying to resonate on that. And so it's very hard to get people to think about these things because they they don't bring up positive emotions. And a lot of us just want to be in this lolly, you know, this la-la land. La-la land of I don't see color. I don't see color. You're just, I just see a human being. You're my brother and you're my sister. It's like, no, actually, when you see me, See you me. honor me. See me as yeah. a man of color because that means something in this world. That means something in this country. And for you to try to take that away from me is bullshit because I have had to go through things because of who I am. That's and, and even if I didn't have to go through things, it's like don't take away my identity for you to be comfortable. Exactly. For and, you to feel like you're closer to me. Yeah, and right now a lot of people including white people, are feeling uncomfortable. And I think this is a good thing for everyone to experience because out of discomfort, that leads us to a situation where we can actually start talking about why we're all feeling uncomfortable. Yeah, get outside the comfort zone. Outside the comfort zone is where growth is. And so inside the comfort zone, you know, it's like if you've ever lifted weights or done exercise, it's like you just stay inside your comfort zone. You're not going to lose any yeah, weight. You're, you're not, not going to build muscle. So it's like get outside your comfort zone, you know, have a conversation with somebody and or beyond a conversation, invite people into your home, you know, invite a black family into your home, visit a black family's home in their neighborhood and see what it's like feel what it's like i feel like most family most people don't even know what it's like to to be inside of a black community and to just be there and to feel like what does it feel like to be around um poverty you know what is that what does that really feel like to know like this is your life and this is what the hand that you've been dealt and, and just to think about what that might do to your mentality and just to connect, you know, it's like even beyond social economic class, it's like we're all Americans. And it's just like, how are we not seeing that? How are we not connecting as Americans? Everybody's like been manipulated into first seeing color. And like, I don't want to see color. The reason why people say that is because the first thing they see is color. And it's just like, you cannot deny the deep racism inside this country, inside of the hearts. So instead of denying it, let's understand let's it. talk about it. You have to understand it. Germany had to move through the ugly past that they had. Look at South Africa. South Africa had an ugly past, and they were able to turn that around and to create more harmony within the country without violence, without crazy bloodshed. And I know that this country, that's what this country is all about, is coming together, Americans supporting each other. Black people are angry. People of color are angry. White people are angry. And it's time to turn that anger into a solution so that the anger can dissolve. Because the anger has never gone away. The anger has turned into rage. And the rage has now turned into fire. Well, I think it's because anger was demonized for the longest time. I felt like people weren't able to really express their anger. And when you do that, 
the anger doesn't go away. It just boils up in people's bodies and then it manifests to something even larger. And, you know, for transformation to really take place, like in Ayurveda, the element of transformation is fire. So shit will get real, things will get burnt, and from those ashes will come new. Comes anew. Mm -hmm. I I totally see that. And, you know, don't be afraid of the fire. You know, the fire, it can burn you. But like you said, it also clears way Mm -hmm. for the new. And if you don't want something new, then let me tell you, you are part of the problem. Exactly. If you think that... If you think this is okay... This is right now, and you're upset about Gucci, and you're upset about Nike, or whatever store you like, whatever the fuck you like, and and, and I'm sorry yep. if your family got hit, or if you got hit, but what I gotta say is, right now, it's time for, if you got a storage, put that shit in storage, and you should understand that people are upset right now, and to support the people. Right. Because if you're not for the people, you're, you're against, against us. us. And if you're against us, then let it be known. Because we're not stopping until there's real change. And I'm speaking from from myself. Like I demand change in this country, and I demand it for my kids. I demand it for for the future children that are going to be here that deserve to be treated with respect. And that's the promise of America. So Americans need to deliver on that promise because we demand that. And if we don't have that, then there will be no peace. So aside from getting outside of your comfort zone, speaking, you know, about race relations, speaking and learning and understanding about the history of this country, what else can people do to continue, you know, our fight for this change, in your opinion? Yeah, support black businesses. Um, Understand how to create more diversity. And that means that if you are in an all-white office, like, Start hiring some fucking people of color. Start hiring black people. Start hiring black men. Stop being afraid of black men. Stop creating the stigma for black men. You might not understand black men. Black men are just like every other man. Man, we are dynamic. We have all these different parts to us. We feel emotions. And so, and we have great ideas. I think. I think that right now, black men specifically are just not being taken seriously because there's just such a, a stigma of being a black man and all the things that black men have to deal with, with just figuring our ways in the world and then trying to to assimilate into the corporate world and to make people feel comfortable around us because there's this fear of the black man that's what what has to be addressed and so however you can do that whether it's hiring more people of color understanding how to add more diversity in your company um in whether it's the schools you're working with, like whatever you're doing, we need more people of color in positions of power. And I'm not talking about token 
You know, you don't mm. hire the token, but there's a lot of qualified people out here. You know, it's like we're a very well-educated community. Yeah, and that means just going above and beyond your network, guys. It, it, it's so easy to just fall back on, you know, oh, Sally knows this person and who, you know, knows this guy. And you're just kind of keeping it amongst your network. So branch out. Exactly. People of color are there. They're just as brilliant as white people. Go to where they are. Go to where we are. Because if you think about it, it's like it's it's laziness the way that people address hiring and creating diversity. It's like you have to go to where people are to really find them. And, you know, my brother-in-law, my sister work for Nike and I think Nike does a great job and they're going out and they're recruiting people of color and they're mm-hmm. they're knowing that you cannot just expect people to land in your lap you have to actively go to where these candidates are and if your consumers are black then you better have some fucking black people on your staff mm-hmm. like it just does not make sense that how many companies if you really went into corporate america how many companies deal with black people on an everyday basis, sell to black people, monetize off of the backs of black people, but barely have any black people on staff. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem. Like, this is the problem. And why is that? Why? And so we just have to keep asking these questions. Why? And we have to start addressing those questions with answers. And helping more people of color get into higher education, creating better school system, creating a better tax system for you know it's like how is the tax system and the school system tied together so poor neighborhoods have poor schools how does that make any sense mm-hmm. it it really doesn't make logical sense where if you're looking at the poor neighborhoods don't you think they need more resources and they need better teachers and i just think that the way that we're approaching the system is kind of like well that's just the way it is and we're not trying to figure out real solutions. And there's there's there is solutions. There's many schools across the country that if you look at their programs, the kids are doing well. They're all going to college. And why is that not being adopted in every single school? And it's yeah. because pe- I, people I mean, don't care. I think it was you who told me that Minnesota or Minneapolis, I, I forget which level it was, if it was statewide or citywide, but they have like the lowest literacy rate. It's, it's so in bad. the country. It's it's the it's the I think the highest dropout rate for black men in the country. And I mean, coincidence, really? No. And it also it it has a very high literacy rate for the whole state. So it's like this very high. The discrepancy is so high. Right. As far the as racial inequalities. Yeah. Who's doing well? Who's not doing well? The, the, the state has great schools, but the city struggles with the schools. The city school system really struggles. <clears throat> There's just a lot of inequality and, you know, home ownership inequality in Minnesota is also terrible. It's there's there's systemic problems that are not being addressed with real solutions. Um, the government has consistently left black people out of programs and, and opportunities. And, and the whole narrative is that like black people get all these handouts. And it's like, it's really sad that people buy into these narratives yeah. without doing their own research. Yeah. 
Well, I think also what people can do is show up to vote. Show up. It, you know, I commend everyone who's participating in these protests. Like, really, I applaud you guys. And I also hope that you and us and everyone will show up to the polls come November. Whether that's mail-in ballot, I don't care. But we really got to show up this time. Vote and and also vote with your dollars. You know, start making it be known that you're not going to support people who do not support the forward progress of black people. Yeah. And make those companies hear you and ask them, how. what are you doing? You know, it's like all these companies getting looted. Before anybody cries to me about a company getting looted, I want to know what that company has done for people of color. Mm-hmm. Do you hire people of color? Do you have people of color? And I'm not talking about you have um, you have possibly illegal people working in 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 the back. Or like it's like there's people who aren't even getting respect. The way the way that uh, I've seen people in LA treat Mexicans mm-hmm. so disrespectful, and so it's just kind of like you know that shit has to stop. Like, all the bullshit, and you guys know what I'm talking about. It's just, like, it has to stop. Start treating people with respect. Just because people don't make as much money as you, they're not beneath you. Mm-hmm. And and let's think about how do we lift everybody up instead of trying to create this, oh, I'm so much better than them. Like, I got a better car. I got better clothes. And it's just this, like, this game of, like, me versus them and if i have better stuff then i feel better and it's it's just it's an old system it's an old mentality and it's a manipulation of the mind and it's been happening since the south white poor white people were put in their mind as long as you're doing better than poor black people then everything is okay and it's like so many people are not doing well in this country but they're just acting like it's okay and that's why you see so many people rioting that's not black people rioting everybody's rioting because it's hard for everybody the the society is not easy for anybody right now and i think that's it's a part of the problem that we're all feeling it's not even a black or white problem it's a party of it's a problem of our society coming together to figure out this isn't working. The social experiment of America is not working for everybody. The middle class is deteriorating. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, I think Occupy Wall Street was the beginning of that. You know, it's like, and the reason why I think that didn't really kick up because that wasn't really a black movement that was included. We weren't included in that movement. That was more, I feel like, College people, more college. I was going to say student. College students, white white college students feeling like this isn't fair. I'm not able to get a job. The 1% has all the money in the banks. The 99% were not being heard. We're not... We're not able to get jobs. And, and, and that frustration, I understand it. But what people have to understand is black people have felt that forever. Since slavery, that feeling of, oh, we can't get a job, and mm-hmm. da, 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 that has been the, the line up until today. And so nobody was feeling that shit. It's like, oh, now y'all want to go protest? Nobody was protesting for black people when black people couldn't get jobs. Mm-hmm. And so I think that they, that's why this is different. Because you have that. That's the same 
movement that's happening right now. Occupy Wall Street is just happening across the country at this very moment, but now you also have that mixed in with the George Floyd protests, Black Lives Matter. Um, and so it's very complicated. It's very multidimensional and complex. Um, but to de-abstract it, it is fundamentally about racism and it's fundamentally about compassion because compassion racism is on the outside of the compassion kind of bubble where that's so much about judgment you know so much about evaluating like i'm judging that and there's a separation and i put myself above that because i judge myself to be better and if i just think about that then that's right you know that's right. that even puts me on a pedestal even just thinking about it like oh just i have this car and they don't and there's just this big huge capitalistic consumeristic separation that's happening and we have to step more into a non-dualistic understanding every religious teacher has said this like we are all supposed to be brothers and treat each other as we want to treat Mm ourselves so if we start thinking like that that has to be the answer. Is this how you want to treat yourself? Yeah, and this is all related to the environment too because if we're looking at each other as separate from each other, then it's no wonder that we're looking at ourselves separate from the earth, separate from the animals, mm-hmm. you know, separate from the oceans, which is why our oceans are being drowned in plastic, which is why there's so much pollution, which is why we're burning down the Amazon. It's all of this is connected because we are so disconnected from each other because we're so disconnected from ourselves we are you know we're not listening to our to the hearts and the stomachs and the minds and the soul um you know that's the capitalistic way it's like cold heart you know like don't think about the environment don't think about that because then think about something that can actually fill you that's outside of you that's what capitalism is is Mm -hmm. that it it makes you focus on the external versus the internal yep we will sell you your happiness yes one uh one amazon shipment at a time Mm -hmm. right well i think this was great I think that it has allowed me a platform to kind of just organize everything that you and I have been talking about for a few days. It's definitely been, like I I was telling you, it was hard for me to sleep, especially the first night. And, And you were the one who told me that maybe it's because of the collective energy. And I didn't even think of that. But you were absolutely right. It was just so hard for me to just tune out. When it came to feeling everybody's, you know, presence, it's it's hard to turn that off when all of this is going on. But I think that's a good thing because it's causing everyone, including myself, to really think and understand and examine, and which is really important for our future generation. Yeah, I, you know, I think that a lot of people aren't sleeping right now, and the Taoist in me looks at it like this isn't bad it's definitely not good it just is and so exactly i mean that's ayurveda too it's it's it it is what it is as cliche as that sounds things are happening right now as they should be happening exactly just as they should be and our 
gut, our, our, our gut reaction to a lot of times when change is happening is to say, I don't like it. Right. I don't like it. I don't like it. It shouldn't be. And it's just like, just, I, I, I invite everyone to possibly just allow that to, 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 to just settle away and allow yourself to see that this is, and then to start understanding rather than judging this is bad this Mm -hmm. is good this is right this is wrong Mm -hmm. just to start asking yourself why why are people feeling this way just try to understand because through understanding that is the light we're looking for in this darkness that is the light that black people are fighting for we want you to understand our pain because I don't think that if the country understood our pain, I don't think this would be happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Nice. Well, thanks for having me on. And Thank thanks you. for everyone for listening. And yeah, you know, we're, we're all in this together. So we are. It's nothing but love and, you know, gratitude for just this space. And I know everybody is. is there's a lot of people who are scared and, you know, people are struggling. Some yeah. people have their, I know people in their businesses yeah. that have been affected. And my heart goes out to everybody scared. And if you've been personally impacted, um, you know, I don't want anybody to feel like, like this is something that's like, oh, we're all so happy about. Nobody's happy about this. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants this. This is an unnecessary this is a necessary evil, I should say. And until we can get to a place of understanding, like, how can we... Necessary challenge. Yeah. Well, right? unnecessary evil, it's like, how can we get rid of the evil? You know, how can we kind of start getting rid of some of the darkness that is that is seeped into the cloth of this country? And is that what we want? You know, just because this—that's how it founded. It was founded off of slavery and sexism and all these other things that I feel like people don't really stand for anymore. It's like, how do we get there? Is it do we start a new constitution? What does that look like? You know, it's like, how do we start to take the pedestals of the forefathers and take them off? And who do we put on those pedestals? Who do we think of as the new American forefathers? Because I personally think that we have the wrong leaders and that's creating the narrative that it's okay to be like this. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And that's something that we have to talk about. It's not something that we can just decide right here, right now. It's it's definitely what we all need to be thinking about as Americans right now. And not to be afraid of dismantling something that's no longer working. Because America is not defined by a piece of paper. America changes, it ebbs and flows, and it's got to move with where the times are. It's got to serve the people. And if it's no longer serving the people and it's actually hindering the people, then it's our job to make sure that it's working for us again. Exactly. Cool. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, I will see you guys back here next week. In the meantime, make sure to rate and review the podcast so more people can find out about Just Flow With It. 
And if you want to get in touch with Enrico, hit him up on his Instagram at Enrico Moses, right? Yes, yes. And you can check us out at zenhouse.la. Zenhouse.la. Got it. All right, y'all. Thank you. Peace and love. Thank you, Enrico, for taking some time out and talking to me. I hope y'all got some got some peace out of that. Um, I know right now what I'm thinking about is I'm thinking about this because I'm a marketer, but I'm really, really curious as to what brands, which brands are going to come out there and do, you know, the right thing. This is unfortunately a, what word am I trying to, to find? This is going to be a topic that is hard for a lot of companies to talk about. As a marketer, I know this because companies do, they genuinely do want to do the right thing, but they also want to make sure that they're not leaving money on the table, meaning they don't want to piss off their racist customers. Some companies care about that, some don't. More power to the ones that don't. So I'm curious as to, which side they're going to take and how they're going to speak on it. I'm curious as to which companies are going to take to social media and say how this is wrong and we don't support this, but won't offer any steps to really do their part in helping to, to take action. I'm just curious. I hope my company themselves does the right thing. Um, And I hope the companies that make a lot of money from the black community actually support them. And if your company, if you know, like all of a lot of people work for companies and if you feel like your companies aren't doing what they can be doing, that shouldn't stop you from doing what you yourself could be doing. There's no small, there's no action that's too small right now. Thank you guys. I'll see you next week here on Just Flow With It.